Thanks for listening to the Stimulate Run podcast. If you like what you hear, remember to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. If you would like to get in touch or have future guest suggestions, please make contact via email or slide into DMs on any of the social channels. Here's your host, Erwin, with this episode's guest. Hey everyone, this episode's guest has put together a great resume of running, but um, I almost feel like she's just getting going and it's an absolute honour to have her on the podcast. I reached out to our recent guest, Mark Plaches, for some help and I actually couldn't believe that we're sitting here today and it got going. So (laughs) I had a bit of a bucket list to get going in 2023 and geez, they're rapidly getting ticked off. Um, She is a top 10 Olympic trialist um top 10 at the majors so twice at boston top 10 and also new york um we'll speak about her recent boston experience and obviously what's coming up in the episode two but welcome to the stimulate run podcast nell rojas hey thank you yeah and yeah i'll do anything for mark um he's been in my life for forever so you know I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I woke up the morning after sending a message thinking, look, we'll give it a go. This will never eventuate. And then when you replied, I almost was sitting there stunned and couldn't believe it. So um, <laughs> do you want to, um, I always like to paint a picture of who the guest is. And obviously people can Google you and look at your Instagram. I uh, spoke about your big following, especially in Australia. Um who are you and, you know, where did your life journey begin? Um, well, you know, it's funny when you, when you say like your big falling in Australia, I'm like, oh, you know, kind of like, really? That's really cool. But I don't like look at like any metrics or anything on my social media or like, you know, I don't really pay attention to that. Um, but it reminds me and because you're from South Africa, I just like always like to like talk about I always like to mention this story because to me um what was that singer's name that was so famous in us in South Africa and they thought he and he but he and so like and I don't know if you know this but they thought he died like all the South Africans thought he died and there was this rumor that he killed himself but he was, tw- and he was no one. He was from Detroit and he was, no one knew who he was. He didn't have a record label. And then like years later, he found out he was like, a, he was like Elvis in South Africa. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, not, not Johnny Clegg. I'm not sure if it's Johnny Clegg's story. No, because no. I went to one of his concerts here and I'll think about it. But um, yeah, you should see, because I think there's um like a little documentary on him. I'll send you his name. I'll think of his name and I'll send it to you, but it's like such a good story. Right. So growing up in Boulder, um, which we kind of look at now at a bit of a home of running, um, what was that experience like? Or did you know that what you were surrounded with as a child? Um. Yeah, I mean, I I. I think because, you know, my dad had a big running group in Boulder from when I was born. Um, And back then, you know, it was like, there wasn't like many running groups here like there are now. Like he coached like hundreds of runners in the area. And um, I knew that was really cool. I knew he won the first Boulder Boulder, um, which was like the Olympics for us. Like I was always very proud of that. I guess I didn't really know Boulder was like a Mecca for running, but I did know running, running has always like been in our family and, you know, my brothers run every day. They're not like serious runners, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it's like ingrained in me, I I guess I'd say. And then yourself growing up, was it a, you said that your dad was coaching and into running had a big group, but at school, was it a thing that you thought, I was good at or were you identified as being good like I obviously went through the college system mm-hmm. but yeah how, what about your personal journey in it um I was okay like I had some success which wouldn't like back then you know I I played other sports growing up and I was really into basketball that was like my main sport um but I realized I was like pretty, I was like talented at running. I I guess I'd say like 
sixth grade. So right before I went to high school. So I was like maybe 13 and I started like maybe taking it kind of a little bit more seriously. Um, like I did well in a little track race or something. Um, and I was like, Oh, that was fun, you know? And so when I got to high school, um, I was okay. Like I finished, I think like I was like seventh at cross country state, my freshman year, um, which like nowadays would be like a hundredth, you know? So like, I couldn't even compete with the, how fast the girls are now, but back then, yeah, I was, I was okay. And then, you know, I typically went through puberty and like, wasn't that good, um, for the rest of my high school career, walked on to NAU. So I knew I wasn't like scholarship, um, material, but knew I loved it and wanted to continue it. So decided to walk on to like, find a team that I could walk on to. And, um, which ended up being perfect for me because, um, I was like, you know, I walked on, there was no pressure. I had no scholarship. And then I immediately was on the traveling team was like top seven. And then every year just got like better and better until like junior and senior year, I was like probably the best runner there. Um, and I got many opportunities and, so I think it was like the perfect place for me. And it seems, you know, like you've kind of continued that outlook on life now, but, you know, going through the college system, did you almost have running as a fallback? Like and go, look, this probably won't be my be all and end all. Um, but then it must've got to a point where you said, I need to become serious at this, right? Um, what was that moment like? Do you have discussions with people when colleges start reaching out, did that happen as well? And you needed to really say, okay, I'm going to give this a go. Mm, honestly, like I was never serious about it in college. Like I was more, I was, you know, like I've always been someone who has been pretty laid back. I've been pretty like the social aspect of my life is very important to me. Like I like playing like, you know, like now, like in Boulder, at least these kids are like getting straight A's. They're taking, you know, like all these extra courses. They're perfect at running, you know, and that wasn't, that wasn't me growing up. And so like, I just kind of continued that into college and I was like, yeah, I like love running. I love training. I want to do it. I want to compete. But like, I also have this, like, I want to have a college experience and like, I love, traveling and I love going out on weekends. Um, and so I did get in trouble with my coach a lot because I partied a little bit, you know, I partied probably a little bit too much. And, um, so like, no, I was never ever once, um, like I can be a professional runner that never crossed my mind, I guess, like in college. Um, I think, I kind of knew like inside of me that I had the potential um, because I'd be like watching like the Olympics or I'd be watching even any sports. Like I remember watching um, like the Wimbledon on TV and being like, I should be there. Like, I, I know I can be there. Like, um, and that was actually post-college when I was doing triathlons. I remember thinking that, um, but then like, when I became serious, well, after college, I became, I started doing triathlons because I was like, I just needed to switch it up. My dad slash coach came to me and was like, I think you'd be really good at this. Do you want to give it a try? And that's when I was like strict and serious and really super passionate about getting the farthest I could in it. Um, and so that, I think that's when things changed. And I was like, at that age, at that point, I was like 20, um, I was probably like 23, 24. And that's just like when I think I got mature enough to like, be like, I'm going to sacrifice these other things in my life and like get serious, you know? And, and I think that worked out well for me. And it's just, it's so refreshing to hear that because like you said, year of people who just want to go, you know, primary school, high school, college, work, life, and mm -hmm. then hit probably 40 and go, Oh, what's happened? Wait. Like, yeah. can we yeah. go back and party now? Can we go back? And it's like, right. well, uh, not really. 
you had yeah. no opportunity no. and yeah. like and you sit, you'd, yeah you'd sit there now going you know I gave that a crack I had an amazing college experience where you could sit back and go I enjoyed it and I, I don't have any regrets and it's moved on and um yeah it just seems like you've got this vibe that you really enjoy living life um and you know obviously live for tomorrow but you want the experiences right mm-hmm. yeah and I think you know I so last year that's one thing I was really struggling with because it's really like I I grew I grew up really lucky in a family that values um traveling and that values like really like experiencing different things and different cultures and different foods and all of that and I think running just lends itself to narrowing all of that stuff down and like like having to kind of live in this very structured very narrow lifestyle so the more shares I got the more it kind of got like that and um so like last after New York, you know, I went to Peru, I went to Africa, I went on some other trips and I kind of like have to get that out of me. And then I'm like, okay, we need to focus. It's time, you know, for Boston or it's time now for the trials and I will like refocus and I can do that because I like filled my cup the other way. Um, but yeah, it's actually really tough as a runner to be like, wow, follow my really cool journey everyone because like it just gets so narrow you know and I'm like ah oh, this is awful <laughs> uh, I'm keen to investigate the experience part and we'll talk about Kenya after but you touched on uh, Boulder now and some of the people that are there and the mindset compared to how it might have been growing up and marked it as well mm-hmm. how do you see it you know you would have grown up in probably a very simple Boulder uh, whereas mm-hmm. now you've got runners from all over the place or even endurance athletes trying to get there for possible mm-hmm. gains. Do the locals see it differently as well? Um, I mean, yeah, I think I grew up in a boulder that um, was like very low-key, obviously very liberal, very, um, you know, not as definitely not as much money um, as there is now and not as much pressure as there is now. I think, um, I would say like a very normal childhood with, like I said before, with a lot of playing, not, and, and a lot of like, all right, like, you know, figure out like what you want to do. We're open-minded. We're, um, you know, I think, I think now it's more the type of people that move here are very um, type A. They're very career driven. They're very, um, you know, they want, everyone wants the best for themselves, obviously. But here that means getting into the best colleges for kids. Like we had a big, or we still have a big high school program here. I don't, I'm not involved in it anymore. I used to be, but it's like, you know, club sports, it's Ivy League schools, it's tons of homework. Um, And so I think now it's just like, you go straight into being an adult and straight into like, all these like, um, what we perceive as being um, successful, like on that path. So um, very different. Yeah. It's a bit of a churn and burn society, right? Like, you might get 20 in in high school, 10 last to college, one makes it. And that's like a success story out of a program that started with 20. Um, yep. Yeah. And that's not the side you see. You know, the side you see is this amazing lifestyle, but you don't see the 19 others that threw their whole life into it. And then at the age of geez, 20 are now going, oh, my life's, like in their mind, it'd be, oh, my life's over. I haven't made it. What do I do? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you kind of, you don't get the full picture. We think that we do, but Mm -hmm. the actual understanding and what's left, the pieces aren't really broadcast, are they? Like, um, Right. I mean, yeah, you see it all the time. You see the successful high school student or the successful college 
um, runner, sorry, runner, high school runner, college runner that had so much success, but like by the time they get out of it, it's just, it's, they're, they're burnt out, you know? Um, and I feel very lucky. I had a lot of really great coach. I like got really lucky with my high school coach. She was like, I want you to enjoy this. I want you to like have this for life. Um, so she didn't like push my success. She wasn't greedy. Um, so just like very, like, um, set me up very well, um, as did my college coach and as did my dad. So I just like, think I got lucky to be like a lifetime endurance athlete. So you lived in, you live in Boulder, but then you went to Kenya. Um, quite interesting where there are two locations that runners would seek out to go to, and you left one to go to the other, which you don't hear a lot of Americans go to. Uh, mm -hmm. however, talking to you for a little bit now, I'm kind of understand why you might've picked to go there about the experience mm -hmm. more. So actually saw an amazing Instagram post from you about taking the risk and going, but do you want to kind of give us some insight in choosing Kenya and was it always on your list of places to go and train or have a block in? Mm -hmm. Um, so a couple of my training partners, uh, Luis Orta, started going there in 2007 and he went, he's gone probably every year since then. And he, he's seen it grow and he, he absolutely loves it and always talks about it. And then also, um, Matt Fox, who I trained with for a while, um, has been, and they both put on camps there. Um, and they talk about it and, you know, I, my love for adventure and traveling, I was like, okay, well that fits well. And it's, I want to go check it out to see if it's somewhere I could maybe spend like a whole uh, marathon training cycle or um, in the future. So I was, I was actually like pretty, oh, I kind of, I was like, oh, I really don't want to get sick. And I really don't, um, cause I, you know, like you just don't know how that's going to affect you. But um, I decided to go anyways for whatever reason I wanted to like meet more of the female runners there who like, you don't hear too much about, like you don't really understand their story at all because it's not exactly talked about. Um, so, so yeah, I decided to go over. <laughs> Was it intimidating? Um, you know, like you said, there's a lot of people there that you wouldn't, you don't, you don't hear what they're up to, uh, mm -hmm. but you obviously know the record. And then you're going over there with a, a resume as such, but it's their backyard. Um, yeah. So was the whole experience at first intimidating? Um, it's extremely intimidating <laughs> um, because, you know, I went over there and I was like, I know I want to run with a group because I want to really get to know the group. So I want to, or some people, um, like I wanted to create some relationships so that like it could be a little bit deeper. And so I was like, okay, I don't really know how to find <laughs> a group to run with. I don't really, like, I didn't know, I didn't know anyone and unless you have connections. So I asked and Luis, like, so I was like, Luis, like, you know, and finally when I got there, he was like, oh yeah, here's my contacts. Ask her to go on a run with you. And like, I was like, okay, you know, it's hard to reach out like I have a hard time reaching out sometimes because it, it is intimidating. So I was like, Hey, do you want to run me? And <laughs> you know, she, um, you, her name's Euliter Tanui. She's actually Angela Tanui's sister and Angela Tanui is like a two seventeen marathoner. She just ran Boston. Um, so we ran together and then she was like, yeah, come to my group. Like you can meet us every day at 6 a.m. and then 4 p.m. And I was like, wow, okay. But, you know, and then meeting the group was extremely intimidating because some of them don't speak English and you don't really know if they want you there, but like, you have to be just like confident. Mm. And I think what I, what I realized with the Kenyans is that you know, at first they have a really stern face and you're like, oh my God, they hate me. Like, 
you know, and then what the minute you start talking to someone over there, they just like melt with a smile and they're very friendly and very nice. And actually, at least that was my experience. Um, but it did take a lot of like <laughs> fake confidence to, to enter this group, um, every day. Well, they're probably thinking, oh, here comes another American for a exactly. two to three week window. And then she's going to disappear and forget yeah. about us. Like, mm -hmm. whereas you almost have to prove how genuine you are. Um, but how I did see a video of you and Matt, I think you guys did a, it must have been a tempo or a fart, like, and you just got spat out the back. Um, and oh you could gosh, almost see it was soul destroying. <laughs> um, but like those kind of moments, I suppose for you would also be a bit grounding, right? Where you've gone in going, I'm decent at this sport. Like, I'm pretty good. I should be able to keep up and not get dropped. But you mm -hmm. got dropped. Oh, yeah. Every day. <laughs> and it was, you, you know, that was one thing that I, when I did join that group, you know, I got dropped immediately the first workout. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's, you know, and then I was like, I have to almost like prove to them that like, I'm okay, you know, I have to come back and I have to come back. And I, even though like, I just keep getting absolutely destroyed, um, you just do have to keep showing up to kind of like, yeah, like I'm genuine. Like I, even though like, you know, I'm getting smashed, like I will keep working hard to like get better. Um, and yeah, it was funny. Like I was running with this one lady one time and was talking to her and she had just like destroyed me in the workout and she was like oh well yeah it would be cool to be a professional runner someday <laughs> I'm like yeah. yep <laughs> you know like oh my gosh she's like she's like in the d group of the town you know like and that's kind of where I am over there because there's so many great runners refreshing for you as well though to kind of appreciate what you've got um oh, yeah Oh, absolutely. Yes. Very lucky. <laughs> what type of, I suppose, like life lessons do you take away from it? Um, and even is there anything that you learned about yourself while you were there that you just also weren't aware, uh, aware of within yourself? I think, you know, one thing that um, I saw over there that I was like, I really, really want to bring that back is um, working together with a team. And I do genuinely think in the US amongst females, it is actually, it is actually like rare that you have this group that like the energy is great and the competition isn't too much for someone um, or the egos are, are not too much, you know? So I think that is something that and I think that's huge. I think the fact that they get to work together and like push each other every day is, is one of the reasons um, that Kenyan runners are the best in the world. Um, so I really wanted to like create that here, which is, is, is hard, easier said than done. Um, and then, you know, they're, they have this attitude towards running that, I think it, it's not as hard for me because I, I like going on runs. I like workouts. I like racing. Um, but there's, there's some resistance, I think in the U S of like, there's a lot of fear around it and there's a lot of negativity around it. And you didn't feel that at all with them. It was more like you get in this group and you're like, all right, let's, let's do it today. Let's like, um, let's get it, let's get it done, you know? And so that, I think the attitude, and like the environment they foster was um, two of the things that I really took back with me. Interesting on the team aspect, even here, a lot of the female marathon runners now, we saw our ladies national record get broken last year. And a lot of people have kind of mentioned how the ladies are cheering each other on. You know, if one's going to an event, they're all supporting each other online and they're mm -hmm. so happy for each mm -hmm. other to see each other. But they know there's only three three people for the Olympic team. And mm -hmm. like six or seven doesn't go into three. However, mm -hmm. they're so they seem so genuinely happy for each other when mm -hmm. they go and have an 
and yeah, I'm not sure how much that has actually boosted up the profile and uh, the performances, but it hasn't happened previously in, in men's or women's. So I'm not sure if it happens in the States um, or if it's very much I'm my own person and I look after me or do you guys cheer each other on or even any moment where you get in touch with each other and go, hey, like, what do you got coming up uh, mm-hmm. next spring or here? Mm-hmm. I think it's like here, I think we do do a good job. Like the we female runners do, do a good job of like cheering each other on via social media. Um, I think it's a little different because like a lot of times when I see those girls it's at a big race Mm. you know where the nerves are probably a little bit higher and like everyone's nervous so maybe it's not as friendly um of course like everyone has like their people they click click with like normal like it's they're their friends because they've run in college together or you know run in a group together at one point so they know each other um but I think there could be a better um I, I think it could be better Mm. and maybe you know you guys have a trial system um so you're all going to turn up and fight for three spots on one race whereas Mm -hmm. other countries you know one can go to valencia somebody else can go to new york and you can qualify in so many different ways whereas you guys really you got to turn up on the day and you know you saw that last time around it can throw some surprises up um so it probably has this thing where you go i can't really set up a team here like I've really got to look after my own interests in a way. And the system has created that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you do have to look out for your own interests and, um, but how powerful would it be if like, you know, everyone in Boulder who was at that level could like got together and like did workouts together, you know, you can't cause everyone has different coaches. Um, mm. I can't, you know, like I love my dad and I love his coaching, but like, I am with him for yeah. <laughs> forever. And I always, that was my, always going to be my path. You know what I mean? So I can't be like, oh, those Hoka girls, like, awesome. I'm going to go like join their team. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's interesting, but it would be fun to like, try to like, I think that, I think everyone could probably be better if we all got together, but. And it's probably from the brand side, like the athlete probably couldn't care less about and they probably want to go hang out with each other, but the brand would be like, well, no, we can't have that person wearing Adidas shoes in our video. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the Kenyan stories, which doesn't have a good ending, but I think we've all been there. So I heard you talking to Matt um, about your French fry story after oh, a gosh. session. Um, <laughs> I, I did laugh because fries. we've all been there after a, a, a run where we just want to go and sit in the car with some French fries or something. Yeah. Uh, run away yeah um, but then obviously you got sick afterwards but can you talk us through the like the french fry part first um, because it's definitely every runner will be going oh yeah we've been there yeah <laughs> so basically it was a long run day and the group I was running with was like um oh it's an easy long run so there's no water Like, you don't have to worry. Easy long run. And I'm like, okay, I'll show up for it. Yeah, perfect. Fine. Because it's my, like, I don't know, fourth day here. And I just did three really hard workouts. And I am, like, already, like, busted, basically. Like, (laughs) um, and so we do the hardest long run I've ever done in my life, of course. And I feel like I had just finished a marathon. Like my quads were just like shot. I was shivering. It was like, you know, Africa was like, it was like windy, but like kind of hot, but kind of cold. There was just like, the sun is just so hard. It's so like, just like, it just like really comes down on you. And so there was all that going on. And I was just so tired because I also hadn't slept in like seven days. Cause like, the travel just destroyed me and the change, I just couldn't, my body doesn't do well. And so we, I was walking back with my photographer 
And one of the Kenyan ladies took my water. She was like, hey, can I have a sip of that? And I was like, oh, sure. And then she just like took it and sped off. And I was like, <laughs> you know, and we had like probably a mile walk home or something. Um, it was just really cold. And so I was like, Thirk, like I need, I need something in my body right now. Like we need to stop somewhere to get something. Um, and of course there was like this French fry I actually didn't even know what it was at first, but we were like, oh, it's French fries. And I was like, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, I love French fries. Like that's my favorite food. Um, So I was like, okay, let's just like get some of those. And so um, we got some and, um, and like I had one basically. And like my stomach was just like gurgling after that. And I was like, immediately like, well, I, that's, I'm done for, like, I'm done. (laughs) I might as well just get in bed and just like never try. Um, so by the time we were back, I was, I was pretty sick already. So just parasite, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. and it just lingered. Um, so yeah, I had, um, I probably told Matt this, but I had, or Matt was there. So he told me this, but I was sick. I was, I got, I went in bed and, and, um, Matt was like, oh, you probably have like the 24 hour, like, a lot of people get this, you know, just like rest, um, check in tomorrow, like tomorrow comes. He's like, Oh, still, still going. He's like, well, I've had a, I've had the three dayer, and I'm like, okay, the three dayer. like, let me just rest three day goes by. He's like, oh, I've had one time I had the five day okay. and I was like, okay, I think I have the five day. And by this time I was like, Oh my gosh. By this time, like I hadn't, like, I was just like, not keeping down any fluids, anything. Um, and then after five days, I was like, I, I just, I need to go to the hospital. Like, and then I texted my friend, Luis, who has been there and he was like, well, here's your options. You can go here or here. This one is actually a veterinary clinic. So I've been there before, but I would recommend not going there. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I would prefer not to go to a veterinary clinic. Thanks. Um, but yeah, basically I went down to the hospital. Um, they were like, you have an amoeba and a parasite. Um, here are your antibiotics. Um, and then I took one, immediately puked it up everywhere. But I, I actually finished like the 10 day round or whatever. I got a little reprieve. Actually, my travel home was like fine. And I was like, okay, once I get home, like, I started running immediately and I was like, okay, I feel better. But then like the next day, it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I got even more sick. And I think what happened was like the par- the antibiotics like will wipe out the parasites, but they don't wipe out all the eggs that they've hatched in you. So I think like I had a reprieve and then just got um, super sick after that. So I was like out for a couple of weeks. And then how hard is it to internalize that? Like, you know you're going through that your friends who are there or even your dad knows you're going but then you don't put that out to the world right like it's very Mm -hmm. much like I need to keep this on the lowdown because then Mm -hmm. automatically people are going to say oh she's going to pull out of this she's going to there's the excuse we've got an excuse she might not be even Mm -hmm. got training well but she's got Mm -hmm. something she can fall back on and pull out like so then Mm -hmm. how much do you need to almost not push it out of your mind, but then also make sure only your circle know. Um, I mean, at that point I was so tired anyways, I didn't have any extra energy to do anything. So it was like, I was getting my runs in super slow. And then I was just like on the couch, just like exhausted. Um, So I think I wasn't, I wasn't like really responding to people. I wasn't on social media really at that point. Um, And so I think for me, it was just like, I was just like, I wasn't even, it wouldn't even be a choice for me to like tell other people because I was just in my house alone. Out of it. (laughs) But then like with the good comes the bad, right? Like we kind of know that that's what social media is about. It's just projecting the good stuff um that you never really mm-hmm. see yeah. oh geez like she had an everyday experience that every person might have there um mm-hmm. like we just see 20 people running over rolling hills 
whereas mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um whereas you had almost and like a lot of people have come forward and said no I had it I had this I had that mm-hmm. um yeah it's quite interesting to, to see that there is also a non-glamorous side to things yes most of it <laughs> uh your relationship with your dad so obviously parent but coach um you guys just seem and you'd have to be so in tune your ability to communicate seems there um you'd have to be honest he would have to be honest with you I'm interested in the when does the parent leave the room and the coach enters um Mm -hmm. how do those worlds intercept probably a better question for him but how do you see it even from the athlete's point of view, when you need to be honest with him as well? Um, yeah, it, I think it is. It, it, it can be very tough. Um, because in running, it's, I mean, it's very easy to get frustrated, you know, if you're having a bad day or if, you don't feel like you should, or if you don't like the idea of the workout. Um, and especially with parents, it's really easy to have a short fuse. Like I've had conversations with two of my friends in the last like two days about like how annoying parents are and how they just like want the best for you and are like, Oh, can I make you a sandwich? And it just like makes you so angry and like you, hate them for it like (laughs) you know and and so it's it's really easy for me like I was saying this the other day like um we were on like one of our last long runs for our Boston build my training partner and I and you know my dad um we're like he's supporting us you know as he always does and he's like instead of handing us like our bottles he like has a uh camera out and he's taking pictures of us and I'm like I don't need my effing like give me my effing water bottle like what the f are you doing like well you know I'm just like so pissed because like I'm like I have so many pictures of me like I don't yeah. need more this right is not now. the moment for pictures yeah and Molly my training partner is like thanks Rick like we really appreciate it and I'm like oh, not me She's you unappreciative. She- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we have, I have a lot of those moments with him. And, but here's the thing, like my dad is like so patient with me um, for whatever reason um, that we don't, we don't run into too much. We don't run into too many problems. I, I, I don't think. Um, and we talk a lot about running and like, sometimes I want to be like, let's not talk about running right now. And, but it's really hard for us because like my dad is like running to the core. Like my mm-hmm. dad, like in, invented run, you know, like he grew up running, he coached himself in high school. He, his life has been so like involved in running and as has mine too. So it's really hard to like, it's almost hard to like put the running aside and be just human beings together. That's yeah. like I like the hardest part about it. And the unconditional love side, you know, he probably finds it hard seeing you run the marathon. Like training, he could probably be there and bury you doing 25, 400s and goes, mm-hmm. I'm going to push her till the brink. But race mm-hmm. day probably sits there and goes, I actually can't go and watch you because you're, you're probably going to go to places where it looks painful or you might be helpless if it's not going right. And that's where the unconditional love side comes in. The coach leaves mm-hmm. the door probably race day, but at training, mm-hmm. the coach is there. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've noticed he gets he gets insanely nervous on my marathon race days, like insanely nervous, more way more nervous than I get. And, and we actually haven't talked about that at all. Like, why are you so nervous? Like he believes in me, but like, I think he just, he just yeah so that might be true and it's probably a strange I mean, maybe you've never thought about this but has there ever been a time where you go maybe for both of us we need 
to go our separate ways and you know you need to just be dad and I'm your daughter um has there ever been a moment where you've gone not that there's anything wrong with the relationship coaching wise to athlete but just for Mm -hmm. I suppose yeah dad daughter relationship has that ever come up where you go maybe this needs a bit of a break from each other Mm. um so he coached me for most of my triathlon career which was like maybe 2012 to 2015 or something and there was a point there where we were also like coaching together like we had a group together and he was coaching me um and I was also doing some like admin work for him and then there was too much and that, we actually stopped talking for about a year <laughs> um because i honestly don't even know what happened but we got in a fight and we just like we did we went our i got a new i got a new coach and he i don't know what he did but like didn't see each other didn't talk for like a whole year <laughs> um, he, didn't, he didn't give you your bottles on your training run yeah yeah no um so yeah I mean I think I think I'm it's it's so I mean my dad actually hasn't missed a single he missed he's missed one race in the past three years um and I fly everywhere for him you know what I mean I'm all over the U.S. and he has not missed one of them um so I just I feel very lucky um I He's getting a lot slower though. I couldn't oh I couldn't Thanks recommend her. enough going to watch your pre-New York video that you both did. Um mm. if there's anyone out there listening, I'll I'll link it in the show notes. But I think it's one of the most compelling pieces of social media going around mm. like in the running world, uh, because it is so raw and obviously the two of you are so authentic, but um you can just see that that's why it was interesting about the race day to training mode for him. You can see mm-hmm. race days when he becomes dad. And mm-hmm. yeah, you could see training would be, no, I'm going to absolutely bury you here in these sessions. <laughs> so, um, I've tried to word this question, like honestly try to word this question a few different ways. And I just, I, I don't think I can do it properly. Um, you, your personality um, and your profile and brand it is different on social media. You, the way you word things is, is quite, um, I suppose, genuine. Um, and like, it's quite interesting. You use the word like to play and you just seem very raw. You chase challenges, experiences. Um, can you kind of unpack that a little bit um, for us? So maybe goals, like, are you a goal-driven person? How do you handle setbacks? Um, so we can start at the top, but let's start with with goals. You know, do you take risk, unpack, and go? Um, or how does that all come about for Nell, the person? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, I think I was, like I said, I just said, like, I, I got, I have two older brothers who are genuinely my favorite people in the world. And they like, they are just so themselves and they're so unique. Like they don't have social media they don't have phones. They, neither of them have phones. Actually one has a flip phone. Um, they don't prescribe to trends. Like they don't wear cool clothes, you know, like they, they're just like, they're just so real like and funny and like well-rounded and they can talk about anything they can talk about physics or they can talk about uh rap or they can talk about and they can they can drink and like party but they can they can also like be very um disciplined and I don't know I just like really my brothers just influenced me so much and so for me that's always been one of the most important things is like being myself. And actually I had this conversation with my brother because he was home. He lives in New York, but he was home a couple of weeks ago or something. And he was like, what's some of your posts like 
because his girlfriend has social media are like, they're not really you. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> he's like, what's up with like the female running, like the female runners and like how they also have to be like life coaches. <laughs> and I'm like, well, huh. He's like, I just like, am surprised that you are posting some of like the, these like inspirational things. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I really had to think about it. And I was like, well, I am a coach, you know, and I think people are inspired by like things. And I don't know. I was like telling him, I was like, I try to keep it pretty genuine. And he was like, and I was like, don't. And I was like, kind of like arguing, like I'm genuine. And then I like opened up my phone on social media. And the first one I was like, oh, I see what he's talking about. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, okay, fuck. <laughs> um. But I think basically like getting back to your goal question, I think I've just always, I'm just always been very grounded because that's how, um, that's how my family taught me to be. And, but always been like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty logical. I'm like, okay, well I can do this. I really like striving for this and working hard and like, I need this, um, daily fulfillment to reach this goal. And it's just like, it's just like normal, I guess. I don't know. I've always been like that. Um, but I, I would also say like, as a runner, it's really easy to get very narrow and think about yourself and just like always be thinking about yourself and yourself and yourself. And I've had to like, I constantly remind myself, like, you need to think bigger and you need to think help people because then like, and I have that constant reminder, then you're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm okay. Like, this is great. I'm helping other people, you know, and then I worry less about myself. I worry less about my results. I become very little, which I think is, is very important. But it's amazing that he identified what we almost all are identified. Like, we see such a genuine person. Like, I feel that if I met you in person, had a conversation, your social mm -hmm. media profile stuff would come through in conversation over a cup of coffee. Because, mm -hmm. like, you've got that ambitious personality, but it's also quite raw, um, you know, where you're honest. You're not sitting there going, how can I make this post sound amazing? Like it's almost mm -hmm. like you're sitting there going, let me type this out and then just clean it up afterwards. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas you might find a lot of uh, content is like you said, like he said, um, mm -hmm. shouting at you and projecting and telling you what you, you know, whereas yours mm -hmm. is just your thoughts, put it down. Nice photo mm -hmm. in the forest, bang, away it goes. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> I'm glad, yeah. Yeah, and that's how it is. I'm glad that comes across that way because that's like my biggest fear is just like being fake. I don't know. That's like, <laughs> it's hard. And that's, like, does that help you with your career then? You know, the setbacks. How do you, do you just wash away the setbacks straight away or do you lament? Do you sit there, break it down and, you know, lose sleep over it afterwards? Or do you go, well, didn't go to plan. There's going to be tomorrow. Let's go after tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's, I actually honestly get, I get psyched for setbacks. Because <laughs> like in, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm human. Um, It's not all going to be great. Like there's definitely going to be bad races. There's definitely going to be bad workouts. And um, they all are steps forward. And I think I genuinely understand that and understand like, like you, you do have to continuously remind yourself like what's important, um, in life and understand that these things are so little compared to like everything else. Like it's almost just a bonus if you do well for me at least. And that's kind of how my dad and I approach it. We're like, look, like we obviously want to do well. I want to make the Olympic team, but like, this is all an amazing bonus that I am so lucky to do. And then are you ready? You know, you mentioned your coaching and it seems like you actually really enjoy that um, part of your life. Are you preparing for your next stage and you're already in the community? That's where you see yourself going. Um, mm -hmm. 
why coaching what's your coaching methodology um yeah like it's such a it's a cauldron isn't it (laughs) yeah 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 I do love coaching and I am excited to coach after my running career because obviously right now I I can't give it everything I have you know I just can't you don't have that much energy um with professional running so basically you know, I started coaching right after high school, um, when my dad just was like, all right, you're now a coach now. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, yeah, you'll be fine. I'll throw you to the wolves kind of deal. Like, you know what you're doing. Um, so I've been coaching for, since I was what, 16. Um, and it, you know, for a while, when you first start something, you're just like so nervous about it and you don't know, but like, I feel like I'm at the point where I'm like, I love the way I coach. And I love how I, um, my understanding of running as it continues to get deeper and deeper and deeper and my understanding of people. Um, cause it's, it's, it's obviously about running, but it's also about people and how you interact with them and like how you get to know different styles and what will help them the most. Um, and so I, I honestly, I love doing that. Um, I am trying to coach less right now because I think the best thing for me would be to run the fastest I can. And that will be the best for my coaching career, obviously, you know, so it's hard to say no to people or turn people down. But, um, but yeah, I think when I'm done running, like I have, you know, right now I have like four coaches under me. Um, and hopefully, you know, so that, that helps because I am someone who like needs, something else, you know, to, to like, you know, to help people, to connect with people, to have a community that's bigger than myself. So, yeah. And how have you found handling your expectations versus the runner's expectations and how much you, how intense you are compared Mm -hmm. to how some people will go for a run, turn the watch off, running is finished. Do not talk to me about running. I have a life outside of Whereas you might be a type of person who we're on a run talking for two hours, then we'll sit down and have coffee for talk for two hours mm-hmm. and we're still talking about running. How have you, what kind of lessons have you learned going, not everyone is like me and mm-hmm. I can't project my expectations onto you because you go to work tomorrow and mm-hmm. you've got three kids and whereas this is my world. Mm-hmm. Well, I think because of my background, I can relate to those people. Like, yeah. because I wasn't always crazy like this intense about running you know so like for me I'm like yeah that person wants to like you know they want to like be happy and they should (laughs) so they shouldn't like you know make it all about running um so I think I I can relate to that and understand that and I you know just want to promote um that this needs to be a positive experience for for everyone and if you know, I have people get super upset after races. And I think, I think that's the benefit of working with an elite athlete actually is that I feel like we understand more than anyone that like, yeah, it's okay. Brush it off. Let's, let's keep going. Like it's part of it, you know? So I think having those talks with my athletes, um, I think is all, is all part of it. Um, who inspires you? Who inspires me? You know, I would say probably a lot of people, but really anyone who's like, like I remember before Boston. No, I remember for the 10 mile championship. Um, so we just got a new um, football coach at CU, University of Colorado, who's uh, his name's Coach Prime. And he is like, he was an NFL player. He has like the biggest personality ever. And he obviously like got the, he was like coaching at a smaller school, was successful, coached at CU, you know, now, now their attendance is like times a hundred skyrocketed and he's doing, I don't know if they're going to do well or not. We'll see. But there were, it was April fools. And someone was like, 
he just got the job, the head coaching job at um, the Broncos. And I was like, like, that is something that inspires me. Like anyone, and he didn't, it was a joke, but it inspired me before I knew it was a joke. But anyone who is like, gonna do something big that like, they're just like working hard and being themselves and like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for it. Like, that's what inspires me. So I can't think of anyone right <laughs> off the top of my head, but, um, yeah. some of the um, social media content on him is great. Um, Oh, you know him. Yeah. yeah oh my God. Some cool so stuff floating around where he's told people to leave the gym because they're not wearing white socks or black socks. And uh-huh. like the players are looking at him confused and he's like well yeah. that's not what you're wearing so you all need to leave and he's kicked yeah. out the tape like stuff like that so um yeah. but authentic as well you know like he's walking in going I could be sacked tomorrow so I'm going to give you all of me and who I am and mm-hmm. at least I know I can leave this room who being who I was mm-hmm. but you can see how successful it is because people then actually believe and we all know how much belief can really like override talent um mm-hmm. but yeah it's, it's mm-hmm. quite a, it'll be an interesting journey to follow to be honest um mm-hmm. from, from a distance and you, you know you see a lot of Insta, like instagram quick clips coming up but um another yeah. one to kind of uh, <laughs> to very entertaining at. yeah yeah but i mean michael jordan was always a big one of like growing up i loved him and i think and like um kobe bryant and obviously i was a basketball player and that is half the reason why but i just like hearing them talk and hearing them be like I set these boundaries because I wanted to, I wanted to be the best and I had to, you know, and they're just like, so themselves and they're so raw and they made it so far because of who they were, not only because of how athletic they were, but like, because they were just genuinely like confident in who they were. Okay. Then look, that's, you just sparked an interest because Kobe was like, you see a lot of his stuff that comes out now and he would have, he would have rattled a few cages, um, probably didn't have many friends because, you know, he was very mm-hmm. intense. Mm-hmm. But do you think that to be successful, you kind of have to, you have to at least put your head down at night going, I gave that day a crack, you know, everyone else is sleeping and I woke up before that kind of thing. Do you feel like you actually, you have to, you have to give that a go and there's going to be people that either come for the ride and people that don't, right? I genuinely do. I genuinely like, I am obviously like, a, like I'm the, I'm like a lit, I have a tiny bit of success. You know what I mean? I'm like very low on this scale, but I have a taste of it. Right. Mm. And I have some fans, which is like weird, but it's also like, okay, I have a very small taste of what it takes to be um, su- successful. And everything in this world tries to pull you to not be successful. Everything every day is like, stay up late, eat this, um, you know, like go on this fun adventure, do that, you know, like there's so, and like so many things. And so I truly believe to be like as successful as I want to be or someone else would want to be and like Kobe like you're like oh I am making the I'm drawing these lines I am gonna be stern here I'm gonna say no to literally all of you guys and and it is true and I found like and I have started to do that and I have found like the people that and this is like so cliche but like truly love me and truly like believe in me are like hell yeah. You know, they're like, you go. I'm like, sorry, no, can't see you in three months. They're like, hell yeah, no. And I'm like, yeah, you're my, you're, you're like, you're, you know, like they're the people that support me. Um, and I'm there for it, honestly. Like I was obviously like relationships are so important to me, but not the ones that won't endure that, I guess. And I think it's something you find the older you get, not that we're old and wise, but early on in your teens and early 20s you want hundreds of people around you and you want yep. to have acquaintances oh. every party you walk in you want everyone to know you whereas now you're sitting there going geez if three people are in my corner and they're the loudest three people in the room 
I'm good with that because you know uh-huh. that they they are in on your plan and they've seen how like driven you are. But you know that it's going to turn off a lot of other people, right? Like your intensity. Mm-hmm. There's not everyone's coming along for that ride, but you need to be really comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And this is the first time in my whole life, and I'm 35 years old, that I am like more than okay with people not liking me. And I'm more than okay with um, people like having their judgments or, um, yeah. And like, I've realized like, no, that's fine. I used to be like a huge people pleaser, but I'm like, no, I get why you don't like me. <laughs> I under, I'm the, I under, I'm the first one that understands. I'm the driver like of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm like, you know what? I probably wouldn't like me either. So cool. <laughs> and I think it comes down to what, again, what you're putting out there. If people don't like your content or your message, hit unfollow you know, you sit and go, oh, what are people going to think about this? Well, they don't like it. There's a button that says yeah. mute or unfollow. Right. See you later. Like, don't complain that I'm putting out things you don't like if you're going to follow. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's... don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, good for you. Um, to finish off the interview, I normally ask people, uh, if you had a, a message for your younger self, what would it be? Um... You know, it's really hard because like, you know, your younger self has to go through all of this shit and all of these life lessons to actually be like, "Mm, I get you, I get you. But, um, I would like say like, look, like you are who you are and that's the best thing you have going for you. So do things the way you want to do them, be your genuine self and, um, yeah, don't try to don't try to be who other people or don't try to be who you think other people want you to be. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Um, we think we just scratched the surface and like you've just kind of scratched the surface as well in running and your journey is almost just getting started, but uh, we look forward to tracking your progress and um, maybe we'll uh, have another chat post-Olympic trials or hopefully post-Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that's going to be on the agenda, but yeah, it's, um, it's been a joy having you on the podcast and being able to share a bit of your story in running. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much.